0: that offers encouragement and hope for our everyday lives. So let's take a look back at where it all began. The book of Ephesians was written by Paul to the Christians living in Ephesus, an ancient Rome city, now modern day Turkey. The book contains Paul's teachings on faith, obedience, and how to live faithfully as individuals and as a Christian community. In this series, Pastor Bank takes us on a journey through Ephesians that will help us understand how blessed believers are, our position in Christ, and how our blessings should be reflected in our lives in the world. Remember this. God can use us to do his work in this world, no matter where we are or what struggles we may face. As long as you are seeing yourself as God sees you.
1: Man, hallelujah, glory be to God, good morning. Hallelujah. Welcome everyone to this service this morning. Those of you that are here in this sanctuary, and those of you are friends and families that's watching online, we welcome everyone. We thank God for what He has done, what He's doing, and what He will continue to do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. And let me just be the first to say, Merry Christmas in advance is coming. <laughs> this time Sunday, it will be Christmas. Amen. And just so you remember, we here at Go Church, we uh building a jesus community to serve our world and we thank god amen yeah that's good that's good that's good and i want to just give a special shout out to those uh, who came to help us yesterday with Elam. lawn is love outreach mission a food pantry yesterday uh in commemoration of christmas they give our toys not only just food because you know about food insecurity so they give food out every week every saturday they do that every saturday but yesterday in particular they give some toys away to our community. And I just want to thank God for all of those of you who came to serve to help us make that a successful day. Because it's not easy. It's a lot of work. You ask Brother Deola, you ask Pastor Sharon. uh, They'll let you know how tough it is week after week after week, but in particular yesterday, I want to thank Sister Angela Carr. I don't see her here this morning. I want to thank Caroline Amor. I want to thank Sister Hilda Jaja. We are in the Christmas hat. Glory to God! You are the Mrs. Santa Claus. It's good to see you, Hilda. I want to thank uh, Sister Carol and Amoya. Yes, I mentioned her earlier, Butchie Brown. I want to thank you. I want to thank Jacobet Tete. She's not here right now. Jacobet is not here, uh, but Pastor Ni nee was here with her. They were all serving together. And Sister Nkoyu, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And the pantry is closed for the next two weeks. And the first time they open again next year will be January the seventh. January 7th, so if you want to get involved, to get plugged in, we just really ask you, give a couple of hours on the weekend. That would really be a blessing to go a long, long way. And of course, Pastor Sharon ran the whole thing. I want to thank her for you, Madam. And I think Brother Singleton gave them some toys. Is that correct? It's good to have you, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And immediately after the service today, they're going to be giving up more toys to those of you that are here. I don't know what the age limitation is. So if you're already 50 or 40, you may want to say you are 10 or 15. You might get something. (laughs) But praise God anyhow. Amen. Let's get back in our teachings this morning. And if you've not been joining us, I really want to strongly encourage you, go and study the book of Ephesians with us. I'm saying that not because I'm the one standing up here, but because I know what God has done in and through that book. I can pinpoint certain ones in this congregation whose lives have been transformed as a result of the study of that particular book. Amen? Okay. So this morning I'm going to move on in this series. I'm going to teach today on Seated with Christ. Seated with Christ. I was listening to the uh, song Selection by the praise team. They sang this song that says, uh, I'm under his canopy. It gives me security. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is so powerful. Because when you understand the full meaning of, uh, the full implication of being seated together with Christ, it will change your life completely. Absolutely completely. So let me just dive into the scriptures right away because of time. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 20 through 21. And so, Father, I just want to thank you again for our time this morning. I thank you, Lord, for the prayer that has gone forth. I thank you for every man and any woman. Under the sound of my voice, I pray, God, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that they will give heed to the things you are saying through me this morning that will change and establish them for good to the glory of your name. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. We honor you in Jesus' name. Ephesians 1, verse 20, which he walked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. If you can underline this, I think this is important. Where? Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. Let me just ask you a question. Is Satan a name that's named? Oh, okay. Just, I just thought I would check. Not only in this age but also in that which is to come. Then Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Let me just ask you a question. I want to make sure I'm speaking to the right congregation this morning. I just want to make sure. I want to make sure I'm in the right place. Can I just ask you a question this morning? Where are you seated? Okay, let, let me make it a multiple choice question. I'll ask the question and I'll give you a multiple choice answer. Where are you seated? A, Lawrenceville, Georgia. B, in heavenly places in Christ. What's the answer? B. If you really truly will believe that, I understand what that means. Everything in earth and in heaven will be fearful of you. Amen. Yeah. This is the problem. We do not know where we are seated. That Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20 and 21 says, Jesus is seated in the heavenly places. Like a GPS, it helps us to understand precisely where in the heavenly places. It just doesn't want to leave out, uh, you know, give you a, a, an answer that is so uh, uh, broad. It defines it far, say far. far, oh no, 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 I, I don't think you believe it, far above all, oh. it's seated far above all principality yes. and power and might and dominion and every name that is named including those witches in your village. It is the lack of understanding of this that we are still wrestling with the wrong things. But not only is Jesus seated far above these things, the Bible now says, it's made me and you to be seated together with him. So where does that put you? Far above principalities, far above powers, far above dominions. And thrones and every name that is named. If that is the case, how come a witch in your village is still troubling you? How come? Lack of understanding, ignorance. My people perish for lack of knowledge. Simple. Now, am I discounting the fact that we have enemy? No. And we're going to address that beginning in January. We are doing a teaching beginning in January, addressing standing your ground against the enemy. Yes, we have an enemy. There's no question about that. But our problem is lack of understanding of who we are, whose we are, and where we are. The lack of understanding of who we are, whose we are, and where we are above every principality there is no devil there is no demon it's impossible because of where I am I understand who I am whose I am where I am and therefore I can put the devil in this place now let me tell you something not only should you know it even the devil knows it he knows it he knows it more than most of us in the book of Acts he says Jesus I know (laughs) which means he knows something Paul, I know. So, so some of us say, hey, well, Jesus is special. How about Paul? Yeah. Jesus I know. Paul I know. But who are you? Yeah. That who are you there are just as many of us because of our ignorance. But I am praying that by the power of the Holy Spirit, through what God is sharing with us, that our eyes of understanding will be enlightened, that we come to a place of recognition to know who we are, whose we are, and where we are. Let me go to another scripture in John chapter three, verse 13, now hear this, please pay attention to this scripture. John 3, 13, Jesus is speaking. He says, no one has ascended to heaven. Now watch this, but he who came down from heaven, let's, let's just take a pause there. No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven. So Jesus is acknowledging that he came down from heaven. Is that correct? Thank you. That is the son of man who is in heaven. Did you see that? He first told you he came down from heaven in the same breath in that same sentence, it tells you while it's in Jerusalem on the former terra on the earth, it tells you that even though it came down from heaven, I am in heaven. Okay, that bird just flew over a lot of heads. It's almost landing, you get it. It's almost landed. In other words, I'm a citizen of heaven. I came from heaven, but even though while I'm moving and talking, and being here on earth in Jerusalem, I want you to know I never relocated. I may have come down from heaven, but I did not relinquish my heavenly citizenship. I am, I came down from heaven, but while I'm talking to you here, I am in heaven. If Jesus can make that connection to say he came down from heaven, and while he's talking to Nicodemus, say to Nicodemus, I am in heaven. How about you and I? We are seated in heavenly places. But you must also recognize you carry a dual citizenship. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. You carry a double dual citizenship. You are a citizen of heaven while at the same time walking on the earth, but you remember whose you are and where you are and whose citizenship you carry. (laughs) Brittany Greener just got brought back from the, from Russia to the United States, the WNBA basketball player. Why did the U.S. get her back? Because she's from Ghana? Because she's from Nigeria? Because she's from Canada? No. You know what? It it doesn't matter where your politics is, where your philosophy is, do you agree with her going or not, that's not the issue. The issue is she carries a blue passport. She's a citizen of this United States of America. And therefore, America will spend, expend every resources available to get their own back. If the United States had enough sense to do that, you are talking about God who spoke and the earth came into being. You are talking about a God who by the mere speaking of his words, everything that was in this array came into order. You are talking about a God who is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the almighty God. Are you hearing me this morning? Hallelujah. In John chapter 14 verses 1, to 3, Jesus said, let your heart not be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He said, in my Father's house, there are many mansions. If it was not so, I would not tell you so. He said, but I go to prepare a place for you that that where I am, there you may be also. Hallelujah. You are a citizen of heaven. He has prepared a place for you and now you reside in that place. We're in this world, but we are not of the world. I am in heaven before I get to heaven. Heaven's on my mind. Why? Because that's where I belong. Now, living the Christian life is far different from what most people think. Remember this morning we were talking about seated with Christ. I mentioned to you in the previous series, there are three key words for the book of Ephesians. Sit or seated, which is what we're addressing now. Walk or walking, which is what we'll address on Wednesday. And then stand or standing your ground. Those are the three key words that open up the entire book of Ephesians. Amen? Now, living the Christian life is far different from what most think. You see, the paradox of life in the natural is that you can't achieve anything of significance unless you put forth an effort or unless you are an expert of some kind. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you're gonna go to school and become a doctor, you have to go to school. You have to study. You have to pass your exams. If you're gonna be a lawyer, you have to go to school. Study, pass your exams. If you're gonna be a school teacher, it's the same thing. Not in the world in which we live, nothing is given to you. You have to earn it. You have to deserve it. You have to conquer it. This is the paradox of life, because we live in two worlds. We are heavenly beings living on the earth, and we need to conform with both. We need to learn how to conform with both. So in the natural, the paradoxes is I achieve, I get. If I don't go to work, I don't get paid. If I don't study, I will not pass. Amen? Whereas as a believer, you are justified, you are blessed, and you are sustained by what another Jesus has attained. It's not like, it's not that nothing gets done. It's just that you are not the one that's doing it. Yeah. That's the paradox. So as a natural person that carries a dual citizenship, you must earn your pay earn your merit in the earth but as a kingdom citizen you understand that by grace you've been saved justified blessed and sustained by what another Jesus the son of God has already attained so in order for me and you to be successful you have to learn the balancing act you must understand the balance, where, where does my effort carry me and stop? And I lean on Jesus. Where, where, how do I lean on Jesus in order to produce the results that he expects me? You must understand that. You can't go to work tomorrow or yeah, Monday and say, oh, where my boss? You see, uh, I'm a believer. I live in heaven. I'm just going to sit down here, please, on Friday, I want my paycheck. Okay. <laughs> They're going to call security, pack your stuff, and get out of the door. And while you are at the door, please leave your leave your badge, your your ID. It doesn't work like that. And you must understand that. But you don't get things done with God like that. So Christianity do not begin with a big do. But it begins with a big done. This is huge. The fundamental principle on which Christian life is based from start to finish is the utter dependence on the finished work of Christ. Amen. That's it. From start to finish. And hopefully if you stay with us for the entire series and teachings, clarity will come, you gain more understanding, you will know how to practice what we are talking about all of this unfortunately cannot be done in one message so in galatians chapter 2 in verse 20 in the nlt galatians 2 20 in the new living translation paul helps us to understand how this works this is what he says He says my old self has been crucified with christ he says it is no longer i who live but Christ lives in me. He says, so I live in this earthly body. How? By trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself to me. Huge. He's trying to help us understand how, how do I function on the earth while I'm a citizen of heaven. And he said to us, that he recognized that his old man is crucified with Christ. Nevertheless he lives. He says, yet not I. Now that's the key. That's the key. You see, when it comes to the kingdom things, you and I are trying to be active and live. But Paul says, no, not I, not I. But Christ rather, Christ lives in me. Christ walks in me. Christ talks in me. He said, the life which I live in the flesh. In the King James Version, I like that version very, very good. King James Version. He said, the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Not my faith. That's the error. You are trying to live the kingdom life on your up today, down tomorrow faith. How far are you going to get? No. Is that the life which I now live in the in, in flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. What's the difference? The faith of the Son of God is constant. So doing implies effort, whereas God says that we are saved by grace and not by works. Grace through faith. So sitting, when we talk about sitting, it's an attitude of rest attitude of rest, attitude of saying, you know what, something has been finished, work stops, and we sit. It is true that we only advance in the Christian life as we learn to first sit. And this is the point I made, I think maybe first or second uh, installment of this teaching. You cannot begin your Christian walk by trying to walk or stand. You fail. You cannot stand against the enemy if you don't know how to sit. You fail. Remember? Jesus I know. Paul I know. Who are you? Jesus is seated. Paul is seated. You are just moving all over the place. You you can't even get started. This is the fallacy. This is the great error that most of us walk in. We are trying to engage in spiritual warfare and we've not learned to sit. I'm trying to love my wife and I don't know how to sit. I'm trying to love my children, I don't know how to sit. I'm trying to work with my co-workers but I don't know how to sit. You cannot walk unless you first sit. And you definitely cannot stand unless you are seated. Now, I know your head is scratching, you wonder, man, sit and stand and walk, how do I do all of this? Just keep on following us. Now let me say this, being seated in heavenly places does not mean idleness. Let me clear that up. (laughs) It does not mean being idle. Rather, it means we work because he is at work in us. Being seated with him does not mean being idle. It simply means that we work. Because he first works in us and then is walking through us. Huge difference. Let's go to the scripture to clear this up. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. Paul says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. He said, and his grace toward me was not in vain. He said, but I labored more abundantly than they are. So Paul is walking, but look at what he now says. Yet not I, I'm glad he put that in there. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. He walked, he labored. But he recognized that his labor was not something that he was that was self-motivated that began from him no he said the grace of god god's enablement god's favor god's power was what was at work in him amen now let me find a nice a good place to land i see how much time i have left let me find a good place to land so sitting or being seated what does it mean it means that when we walk or when we stand our legs bear all the weight of a human body, like I am now, I'm standing. So my legs bear all the weight of my human body. But when we sit down, our entire weight rests upon the chair or the couch on which we sit. So in the spiritual realm, to sit down is simply to rest our whole weight, our load, ourselves, our future, are everything, upon the Lord. There are so many examples. Well, I'm just going to give one, and then I'm going to close with a few scriptures. Let me just show you how this sitting or resting principle operates throughout the entire scriptures. The rest principle is first seen in the scripture in the week of creation. In the creation of the earth, God walked from the first to the sixth day and they were arrested on the seventh. We may say that God was walking for six days. Then when the task he had set for himself was completed, he ceased to work. The seventh day became the Sabbath of God. It was God's rest. Now how about Adam? Where did Adam stand in relation to that rest of God? Now watch this. Adam, well told, was created on the sixth day. Clearly. Adam had no part in those first six days of work. For he came to being only at the end of the sixth day. Therefore, God's seventh day was in fact Adam's first day. Whereas God walked for six days and then enjoyed a Sabbath rest. Adam began his day with a Sabbath. This is the paradox that God is trying to get me and you to understand. God works before he rests. Why man must first enter into God's rest and then alone can he walk. <laughs> It was because God's work of creation was truly complete that Adam's life could really begin with rest. And Jesus did the same thing for us. There's so many more scriptures. I don't have time to go into all of them. So many more scriptures. Because in John 19, 30, Jesus is finished. Just as the Father said, it's finished. And so Jesus is saying, Listen, I finished it. Now you can just enter into my rest and begin to live. Now, what is the what, what are the things that what are the factors that That really make this tough for us to live out what are the factors that make it difficult for us to to really just truly believe that god has done this and therefore we can rest everything new covenant boils down to one thing everything new covenant boils down to one thing trust trust do you really believe do you truly trust that god has finished it in your case I, 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 is it settled for you, whether it's your job, whether it's your spouse, your children, whatever it is your needs are? Do you truly, truly have it believed in your heart that it is settled and that God has your back and that it is done? Critical issue. On this Wednesday night, I'm going to be teaching on how to learn to trust God. How to learn to trust God. Because this is the critical issue. Because for me and you, everything I'm saying sounds good until trouble comes. Everything is hunky-dory until trouble knocks on on the door. All of a sudden, you forget that you are seated, you go into your, let me defend myself. Let me take care of myself. That's the problem. Why, why are we like that? Because we have our own built-in expectation on what needs to happen. Let me just give you a little clue right here before, before Wednesday. You are never going to be able to trust God until you surrender. Never. Surrender means, is it for many of us are you born again? Yes, I'm saved. I'm born again. Jesus is my savior, yes. But is he your Lord? Big difference. Big difference. As your Lord, you recognize, listen, I've relinquished all the rest of my life to you. You are in a driver's seat. Drive, I'm just gonna enjoy the ride. And when you're driving, I'm aware that we're gonna go through bumps. There are some potholes that will shake me a little bit. But I know that I know that I know that I know. You are in the driver's seat. We have not settled that fact. We are all born again, all going to heaven. But if I was to ask you, is he Lord of your life? He said, you are Lord until you touch my pocketbook. My pocketbook is sacred. Hallelujah. God, what are you doing with my pocketbook? No. It's not Lord. For the most part, it's not Lord. And that's why we cannot trust him. Look at the kids. Toddlers. Infants. As long as they were their parents. You say, jump in the pool. They don't have any sense. They're going to jump. Why? They know you love them and they trust you. They trust you. They don't care. It doesn't matter what they are faced with. As long as Papa is there, Mama is there, all is fine. You conquer the world for them. And that's why Jesus said, except we'll be converted and be as little children, we cannot enter the kingdom of God. Yeah. You're joking. Yeah, you're saved by grace. But you go through life, you, 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 you have nothing but hard knocks because you have not learned to relinquish your life into his hands. Let me show with Paul as I close. Five scenarios that Paul found himself in. In Acts nineteen, verses eleven and twelve. Look at what we read. We all love this one. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them and evil spirits went out of them hallelujah it was a man of God endowed with the power of God we love that miracles Paul walked miracles at Ephesus that turned the city right side up on the planted the church now this same Paul in Acts chapter 9 in verses 23 and 25 Now, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. This is the same man of God who, the same man of God that aprons left his body and people were healed, left, right, center. When they found out about the plot to kill him, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down through the wall in a large basket. Why did he do that? Why did this poor, who could do super, who did unusual miracles, why did they decide to escape and not just wait? You see, I'm saying this because many of us, we, 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 we have a, 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 our mindset is, is, is just straightforward. Everything God must be good and nice and must be comfortable, convenient, blessing, 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 blessing. You've not read your Bible. That's our problem another example now it's amazing it's amazing that paul escaped here in acts chapter nine but when you get to acts 20 i won't read it in verse 23 and 24 acts 20 the same paul they told him paul you go to jerusalem you're going to be arrested in fact not only that you'll be killed what did he say he said i cannot not, not my life dear unto me i'm aware of the plot against me in jerusalem but i'm good and ready to go the same person in one instant he escaped, the other instant they said, bring it on. If it was you and I, we we'll would still be holding prayer vigils. God, return to sender. Biblical illiterate. I'm sorry to say that. You, you can understand, how, you know, the righteous indignation. Because we've not read the scriptures. The same Paul I escaped in one instant, he said, let's face it. And he knew he was not coming back because he told the elders at Ephesus, I will see your faces no more. He knew it. Same Paul, Second Corinthians chapter 12. He said, unless I should be exalted from verse seven, above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me a messenger of Satan to buffet me. What? This is an apostle, a man of God. The man through whom which aprons were taken from his body and supernatural miracles happened. Now, this has happened to him. Lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that he might depart from me. You prayed one time, nothing happened. You say, God is not faithful. The apostle prayed three times. All of us will agree that. Listen, if nobody knows how to pray, Paul knows how to pray. What answer did he get? Concerning this thing, I prayed up with the Lord three times that he might depart from me. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you. Why? Why is God saying this? He said, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Our problem, my problem, we don't want to be weak. And to the degree that we don't want to be weak, we can never see the power of God. Okay, that body is still flying. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul now, oh, after God told him this, he got a revelation. I'm not praying about this any longer. God's grace is, is able to keep me. Therefore, Paul says, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities. <laughs> In other words, while all of you are testified. God gave me a Tesla. God gave me a new house. God gave me a husband. I had three twins. I had a nice job. Paul said, I will gladly boast in my infirmities. I am weak because I know in my weakness, the strength of God is about to show up. Hallelujah! I will gladly, I will gladly rather boast in my infirmities. That the power of God may rest upon me. Therefore, oh my God, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses. Why? For Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Now, the qualifier there is for Christ's sake. That's important. In other words, I'm seated. I am with him. And therefore, whatever happens to me while he's driving this car, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. Whatever happening while Jesus is driving my car, I will take it. He is not talking about you going to rob a bank and go to jail. And say, I'm boasting my family. No, that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about you go and do something that's crazy and wrong and evil and unrighteous, and something happens to you. you say, "Well, I'm, no, no, no." He's talking about when you trust God, and while you are trusting Him, things don't look like it's going on your way. It's going right for you. <laughs> Hang in there, because you are about to see the power of God in this on display. That's Paul. Another one. This one really blew me away because as christians we don't like to deal with this. Paul allowed this to be put in the scriptures. He said he was hindered by Satan. In the New Testament, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 18. Therefore, he says, we wanted to come to you. Even I, Paul, not somebody else. Me, even me, the great apostle. Me, me, the apostle of uh-huh, me. Even I, Paul, time and again. But Satan hindered us. Now, I'm sharing this with us because we need to understand that because we are seated, does not mean that bad things will not happen. Because for many of us, that's how we qualify whether God is good or whether God is bad. I said Satan hindered, is not just once, it's a time and again. Why is it important to understand this? Let me take you back to Genesis so you can understand the issue of Satan hindering. It didn't say Satan won, but Satan hindered. Look at Genesis 3.15. It says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. This is God speaking. Right from Genesis. And between your seed and her seed. He, Jesus, shall bruise your head. This is God addressing Satan. And you shall bruise his feet. Oh, you didn't get it. Right here, Genesis three fifteen. God gave permission to Satan. Right there. At the fall of mine, Satan received permission from God. Already, God gave him a sentence. The seed of woman, Jesus, and by extension me and you, will bruise the head of Satan. But Satan, okay, all right, you have my permission. You can bruise their heel. So the hindrance, the harassment, the intimidation is allowed. It cannot take you under but it's allowed because god said you can bruise their heel but they will bruise your head let me ask you a question where would you want your injury your head or your heel which one is more injurious head injury or the heel injury so god so so i'm saying that i want to show you that because when bad things happen to you ah no understand is a part of the curriculum He's not gonna take you under. No, it cannot, because now you're seated. But you, at least you have understanding. And so on Wednesday night, I'm gonna teach you on how you can learn to start trusting God. That's the essence. The reason Paul was able to stand in the midst of all things I just described to you, he trusted God. He trusted God. Whether I'm escaping at night or I'm standing or whether I'm walking miracles, or whether I'm being hindered, I trust God for the outcome. I trust you, God. I trust you because I know that you know the plans you have for me. Plans of peace and not of evil to bring you and I to an expected end. As so, Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every man and every woman under the sound of my voice that my Lord God, we will take to heart the things you've already delivered and done in our behalf, that we recognize that we live in you, seated in you, in the heavenly places, in Christ, far above principality, far above powers, far above dominion, par- far above every throne, and so that we will be focused on you. That's why you said, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Help us, my father. Help us to stay focused on you. Help us. Help us to keep our eyes on you, Jesus. That you are the driver of our soul. You are the driver. You know the destination. You know how to get there. You know every bump along the way. You know every corner along the way. You know every every, every diversion along the way. And so we trust you. We entrust our lives into your hands. Thank you, Papa. We honor you this morning. We bless your name. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. I, 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 I strongly want to encourage you, join on Wednesday nights, because I'm able to do a lot more things that I cannot do on Sunday morning. So this next Wednesday night, learning how to trust God. God bless you. Amen. Amen.